Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Really, James Bond is coming back to the big screen in cinemas in the UK. And we're hoping to go to every one of the 25 films. Join us as we celebrate the 60th anniversary of our favourite British agents by watching them all in order. We hope you guys are watching them too, so please let us know your thoughts. You can find us on social media at Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And our podcast is available on iTunes and Spotify, as well as video episodes on YouTube. Simply search for Really 007 Pod. This time it's the turn of one of the most wonderful, weird spectacular, silly, and entertaining Bond films. This is Octopussy. Bond hits an all-time high. Roger Moore is Ian Fleming's James Bond 007 in Octopussy. Roger Moore in his newest and most thrilling of the James Bond adventures. Filling the screen with excitement. In the tradition of the great James Bond films, Octopussy has everything. Elegant palaces and beautiful women. Good morning. Good morning, sir. My name's Bond. I believe you have a reservation for me. We've been expecting you, sir. I'm Octopussy. And you are James Bond. 007 licensed to kill. Am I to be your target for tonight? Thank you. 
This is Bond at his best, hitting an all-time high in Octopussy. Step on it! The Bond that tops them all. Octopussy racing across the screen with thrills and excitement. Roger Moore in his newest James Bond adventure, hitting an all-time high in Octopussy. So we're back at the Trafford Centre. We've got a triumvirate, a glorious trio of myself, Tom Pickup, John Kell, Licensed to Kell, and Sam Rogers. So good evening, chaps. Good evening. Hello. That sounds a bit like the, the intro to every single recording we do. Sorry, Rick. You know, scripted one. Anyway, we're here at the Trafford Centre. I, I don't think I've been here since me and Sam watched Diamonds are Forever, maybe? I'm not sure. I don't think we have. So it's uh, 12 years on in terms of the, the films, but... Oh, I've probably met 12 years since Sam, that's how Well, that's, it is. I just, I'm almost wishing it was two weeks for each film and I could just really concentrate and... Just drink it in. Drink them in, drink it drink in. Drink it in. Yeah. But we, we, alas, we're here. For your eyes only's gone. Octopussy's here. And only math at the moment has seen it of our, of our group. Yeah, that was quite good, wasn't it? Anyway. Right, I'll pass <laughs> the mic to John. It was the first review we did and we're obsessed with this film. It's where it all began for our podcast. It's the first one we watched. When Tom said initially, this is what we're going to do first, I was quite surprised. It just seemed random. It's obviously not chronological. and But I'm so glad it was the first one we did because it changed my opinion so much of the film. And I don't think there's been a Bond film that has changed, in my opinion, more than this film. So it currently ranks at number eight in my uh, rankings. It started at about number 15. And it's, really? and it's making some climb. And it just, it's just because it perfectly encapsulates everything you want in a Bond film. It's like the first hour is pure fun, caper, and the second hour is a strict Cold War thriller. And it's like, I don't know, I think it's just a perfect balance for me. I think Roger is absolutely on his A game. For me, it's, it's my favourite Roger performance because it's the most rounded. And I don't think it like clashes as much as View to a Kill because, because I think the, the other characters are probably a bit more age-appropriate. So, like... Maud Adams is far more believable as Octopussy being with Bond than Stacey Sutton is and with uh, Bond in View to a Kill, that kind of thing. Things I'm looking forward to, Roger's antics in, uh, in India, very much looking forward to that. Sotheby's, very much. Oh. One of the best pre-title sequences in all of the franchise. The train stuff, which I think is unbelievable. Immortal lines on the big screen like Mishka and Grishka and that is for my brother, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the ridiculously over-the-top porno saxophone at the end of the film <laughs> as well. Then. Oh, James. 
John Barry's version of Careless Whisper. And that's a that's and the Coronation Street theme. And the Coronation Street theme as well. So I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, I'm not nervous about these films anymore. No. You know, I think initially I was a bit like, oh no, what if it changed my opinion? I know I'm just going to have a ride for two hours. And this is this and Moonraker are the perfect escapist films. I'm just really looking forward to it. So yeah, must pass the shoe. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty similar to John there. I mean, uh, I think Octopus is lower on my list, but it's it's not for any bad reasons. I can't really. I don't fault the film really in any area. Like I, everything about it totally works. I think the villains are super underrated. You know, I mean, I if you want to talk about iconic lines, I just think of octopusy oh. and out there and like, follow that. <laughs> follow that car. It's in it. Uh, it's. I mean, performances are just great in this film. And I think you know you mix that in with these you know spectacular location with India, amazing. You, you know. It, you do get that Cold War sense in this, and I feel like it's, you know, it's the last time that, you know, Roger gets that, you know, because a view to a kill kind of, like, goes away, apart from, you know, some references. So it is nice to see that. Yeah, I think, you know, pre-title sequence, definitely one of the best. I think one of Roger's best, for sure. It's just so full of action. I think it just, it takes the action from Fiora's Eyes only. I think it ramps it up by, you know, however much percent, you know. The train stunts are some of the best in the series. I mean, it's probably, could be in my top five stunt work, actually. And you hear about the behind-the-scenes drama that went on and, you know, the work that went into that. I mean, it is, it is just amazing to think about it. I think if we're going to talk about, um, you know, just some of the other characters, I, I love Octopussy. Maud Adams is fantastic. Solid performance from her. Magda, you know, maybe a bit understated for some. You know, maybe she doesn't stand out as others, but I think she really holds her own, and I like that it isn't she's you would i think everyone would expect it to be a femme fatale that she is you know just going to be evil and you know she'll probably die but she doesn't do either of those things she ends up being you know octopus's sidekick essentially and fighting at the end yeah, and she's like a bond girl a bond girl that remains friends with the other bond girl and they're sort of helping each other yeah because she's not like i mean i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure she wasn't in love with bond or anything like that but she's she's obviously subservient in a way to Octopus. She's like her mentor. Yeah. And as soon as you can tell they've got a connection, I'm sure Magda's like not that bothered. Although when she's in the, the, the gorgeous circus outfit at the end, she, what did she say? She's some kind of line when the being told the entire yeah. So she's still quite. She's more committed to that than and that maybe that's something I hadn't thought of. That Octopus then is actually no. I actually there's there's a bit more to this, and we need to. Yeah. We need to stop when it's uh, Yeah, because I think, um, you know, Magda spends a lot of time in the film with, you know, Kamal Khan. So, so maybe, just from her point of view, she spent a lot of time with him and she kind of believes what's going on in that side of the plan. So, you know, I feel like maybe we should have just got a bit more from, at least from her perspective, perspective on what she was doing, what she was thinking. Because, I mean, once... Once she tells, you know, Octopus in that god-awful dubbed line of back to India and she clearly says something else on location, but they've changed it in the dubbing. Like, so look out, so look out for that. She, she goes right with Octopussy. She follows straight away and she, you know, she helps part of the plan and maybe gets Q at the end, who knows? But, you know, just, just great there and some, some fun gadgets. VJ, you know, oh. a, an excellent ally. So, so good. <laughs> you know, there's, there's just a lot to love with this film. I feel like, yeah, it may not be everyone's top film but I don't think anyone could have it 
down at the bottom at all. It's, I don't understand anyone who could put it down there because it's just so. It's like you said, it's well balanced and you know, a very solid film. Yeah, it's um, it's suffered since social media's come out and there's lots of like rankings of magazines and stuff. The very lazy line to roll out is, oh, it's Bond in a clown suit, oh, it's Bond in a gorilla yeah. suit, oh, it's Bond doing a Tarzan jump. And I'm like, yeah, that's why it's brilliant. You know, get a grip. <laughs> to me, they, 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 it's all in keeping with the film. All right, all right maybe the Tarzan. Yeah, that's probably my silly. one thing that, yeah. I would, I, that I would change because I'm like, you're trying to escape. Why are you trying to draw attention to yourself even more? But, but I mean, it doesn't take away no, from everything doesn't. else that the film offers. And I, I, I stand by, I think the clown suit adds to the tension. Oh, super. Uh, because it's because you've got that juxtaposition of a guy who's panicking probably more than Rob, Roger Moore ever does oh, in a that. Bond film you know, damn it man there's a bottle double, there yeah. um, all the others double crossed you at the it, it's probably Roger most nonplussed out the whole of his whole series yeah. isn't yeah. it and yet he's doing it in a clown outfit that's, that's that, genius and that's the fact that you hear it and you see it on his face regardless of that I mean it, <laughs> it just shows how good he is in it so I feel like everyone who makes those comments about the clown suit is really not looking at the film for what it is. They just see, oh, he dresses in a clown suit. It's, it's, it's probably, you know, four minutes tops that he's in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I know he couldn't have got the makeup on, but, you know, who cares? Just run with it. Yeah. He was in space four years ago. I'm, I'm okay to, to <laughs> yeah. you know, release some, you know, the drawstrings and just let it go a little bit. You're absolutely right that I think it has suffered from the clickbait side, but, but the actual proper... Okay, I, hate, I don't like using that gatekeeping phrase, whatever. But Bond fans who eat and drink it every day like us, we, we've been very positive. So many people. I mean, that was one of the thing, first things, first people, first allies of, you know, friends of the show we had was David because, because of that octopus yeah. show and then the Jim Fanning thing and... Yeah. The love has just grown. Wizard, even Wizard, Wizard loves it. Fan of it, it? Yeah. At the end of the day, it's one thing to be critical and to criticise elements of the film, but we're not saying the film is bad or this is awful, you shouldn't see it or anything No, like no. It's just saying, well, do you know what? Maybe that wasn't the right thing. This was whatever. But we're not going to change it and we're not, we, we can't change it and we wouldn't probably anyway no. if we had the opportunity because, you know, these are, you know, such key points in, you know, people's lives and, you know, filmmaking and a lot of people a lot of work into yeah. it. Yeah. And I think it might be the one I've watched the most as a child. And I think that's maybe why I chose it as the first review. Mm. And, and, it, and it's got everything in it. I, I it wish, has. almost I wish you'd go back and spend even longer on it and be even more praiseworthy of it. Because, I mean, we didn't, we hadn't talked about it for years, maybe. I didn't know whether Chris would like it. And then you, you start talking about it and you're like, of course we love it, you know. I think me and Chris had similar views. I think we were like, yeah. oh, it's mid-table kind of thing. And as we yeah. talked it through, we thought, no, this is a lot better than that. It is. There is there is so much that goes on in this film. I've been so excited. I mean, I was at Ibiza at the weekend and I was just looking forward to watching Octopus. <laughs> yes. It's so he good. He was there. He was an arm's length away from Idris Elba. He's like, I can't wait to watch Octopus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I could have spoken to her, I would have, I would have told him. Excuse me, I've just got a question about James Bond. Do you like Yeah, you watch Octopus in this film. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. We will head off now, but you know our thoughts on this. Obviously, we're going to come back obsessed and love it even more. Very excited. But we'll see you, see you in about two hours ten. Yeah. Yeah. Plus the maybe not the Elvis trailer, but the Mrs. Harris goes to Paris, etc. Hello, this is Gary Kay at the Odeon Cinema in Bath. Just about to go in to see Octopussy. Really looking forward to this 
screening this evening, one of the most entertaining of Rogers films. Really looking forward to also to the return of the mighty John Barry who scores this film and does a fantastic job and also looking forward to seeing the exotic locations, um, the Indian locations which are just beautiful as well as that stunning pre-title sequence. Anyway, heading on in now to watch it and speak to you later. £320,000, new bidder. That's interesting. You know it. Kamal Khan, usually a seller. Marginal quality from dubious sources. £380,000, 400 in the centre. Well, that should do it. Any more? Kamal has gone over the top. Your bid, sir, 400000 400000 Any more? 425 new bidder. Thank you, sir. 425. Have you gone mad? Let's see how badly he wants it. 450? 450. 475? The bid is 450. 475? Against you, sir? No more than 450. Good job. The bid is 450,000 pounds. I have 475. 500,000 pounds. 500,000 pounds. I have half a million pounds. All done? Any more? Yours, sir. 500,000 pounds. The next lot is number... We could have been stuck with it. I doubt it. He had to buy it. But why? That's what I intend to find out. Now, before we go anywhere on our Octopussy episode, we're going to return to Fewer Eyes Only because Stu Only Live Tweets, who you may know from Twitter as the world's best Pierce Brosnan impersonator, well, he wanted to gather his thoughts on Fewer Eyes Only along with his son, Sam. Okay, so for the first time in ever, you went to see Fewer Eyes Only the other night, didn't you, Sam? I, I did, yeah, I did. For the 455th time... <laughs> ever <laughs> i saw it but only for the second time in the cinema so very briefly because these guys have got loads of contributors they don't have a lot of time so let's just make it brief when they're underwater going into st george's the boat has been sunk to the um the atac the second submarine that comes over the what you know the, the one with the claws that sort of grips onto them so, you, so you've had basically you've had mechanical mr blobby yeah in a boat yeah and then you've got another submarine coming around the corner sort of stretch out the scene and it shouldn't have been that sort of long if you just that little bit too much no i, I think it was a little bit too much yeah. i agree with you to be honest because i always thought that if bond and melina were going to get the atac you could have actually just done the reveal going up to the triana yeah and finding that the baddies are already there yeah to make that a swift sort of uh, extrication and then and then cut up to there mm. would have been actually quite nice because yeah. You, you don't know that people are around. It kind of the audience is giving away a little bit too much, and also Bond and Molina have a little bit too much to deal with. Yeah, and yeah, you're absolutely right. It really drags it out. I think I really got to know uh, Molina's character a bit more towards the start of the film uh, when obviously her parents die, and you go into her eyes, you really see and you really feel a good connection with her. It's dark. It's it is dark. 
and I think another aspect of Fiorizani which has been a lot overlooked you know a lot of people think that you know Molina's a little bit like soft and whatever but John Glenn really set something up there yeah I think he set something up for the 80s where it's a little bit dangerous you know this lady's just arrived on a family boat see her parents her parents are gunned down and yeah fair enough we haven't met them for long enough to perhaps really engage with what they do but you've just witnessed with her the killing of her parents and that's that's just awful yeah it's horrible and so that slow zoom in to the eyes filling the screen is perfect i think it's roger's best performance out of all the films i've watched of James Bond of him being James Bond. I think it really brings out a different side to him. He's obviously he's got this one side where he's doing it. Obviously, he's doing it for his he's doing it for his country. But then he's also got this promise to Molina that he's going to find out. The, the, That's nice. That's nice. He's going to find out the, uh, yeah. the the mystery of who killed her parents and stuff like that, and the people mainly behind yeah. it. So I think it's a, it's quite a, he's got two things, massive things to deal with here, and he, I, Roger plays it really well. Do you know what? Yeah, that's really nice because yeah, early on the commitment is there from Roger that that that's kind of his allegiance with Melina is there, isn't it? Yeah. Regardless of how naive he maybe thinks she is, mm-hmm. you're gonna set on revenge, dig two graves, all that kind of stuff. I don't know. Is it is it Roger almost trying to be a bit of a savior mm. for her? Yeah. You know, and and just trying to sort of. You see those elements in Cortina. There's that wonderful element where they're in the um, sleigh, you know, and he's yeah. saying, you know, get her out of here, keep driving, keep driving. Yeah. Whatever she's saying, no, stop, no, keep driving. And he's trying to convince her that, no, come on, get yourself out of here. I'll sort this out. I'll look out for you. And as soon as I know what I need to know, I'll come out to Corfu. And this, you know, it's that little threat. Yeah. I think that's a great observation. What about the soundtrack? So we've got, you know, I've played this soundtrack. Yeah, you know what I have. You know, yeah. and, and there are certain choice moments about the soundtrack. Some bits are we look at each other sometimes, and we sort of like, oh, wow, yes. <laughs> has that really happened? Yeah. But when you actually see the film and you see the context of the soundtrack, how do you think that worked for you? I think it. I think it worked worked really well. Binding the scene together a bit more, it made me feel like I said with Melina a bit more of a connection to the film. Obviously, I've got a visual idea of what's going on, but I can understand it more with the music it's all it makes me feel like i say like a bit more of a connection when you hear those emotional connections with the film i mean it's not just the whole melina parents dying the whole motif of the whole bazooki and 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 snare and all that kind of stuff when you've got the the rock climbing stuff when you've got any kind of suspense i think bill conti's really good at that yes when you've got the action scenes he kind of almost plays it like at that point in time there was the huge sports thing going on in tv mm. yeah, yeah so you had like ski sunday and and grandstand and all this kind of stuff on, on british tv mm. and also in the states we have this massive like overblown like massive yeah. celebration of everything sports so whenever there's anything going on action wise it almost becomes a it, it is i can understand when people say yeah okay that's that's a bit too much conti turn yeah. it down a little bit but what he's actually doing is really accentuating what the vibe is at the time so to try and sort out the darkness of parents dying, a guy being shot in the back with a bolt into the pool, Luigi being garroted around the neck and falling out the car. Yeah. You know, there's so many dark moments of your eyes only that actually what Conti tries to do, I think, is in those action scenes, just lift it a little bit. So yeah. He, so actually the action scenes are just a bit of a release 
Yes. The locations are... I think it's perfect. Obviously, I'm... I'm I'm a massive fan of Corfu. No, we've been there, we've been there many times. It's sort of a second home. I mean, if I could, I'd move out there straight away. And it, I think it captivates the film really well as well. In the chase scene, obviously, we've been to the where it happened. But I think all those bends and the the trick clips, and then the car going over yeah. into the olive groves, using that landscape. Yeah, because I, I think what struggles with other other Bond films with car chases or anything like that, I think it's it's too focused. Uh, the sort I, I don't know how to put it. It's more it's more focused on the actual cars themselves and what those are they're doing. Oh, okay. In that, it, it's yeah. more of the landscape, and then when he goes, ah. Oh, Yes. Take the low road, not that low. That, that. I think that's a really good point because you've got the setup of the of the section. Everybody goes, oh, oh no, he, he's knackered now. Here we go. Here's Bond. Mm-hmm. Get inside this car. But you're absolutely right. I think you know when you when you focus too much on what what the actual gadget is or what what Bond is housed in. Yeah, and that's what you focus on. It's you, you do lose you do lose that sense of location of position of of everything that can actually widen the angle can make you as an audience appreciate what kind of danger he's in yeah you know outside of the car yeah I and mean, that's exactly what Fear Eyes only does outside of the car and not just the the fragility of the car but outside of the car Bond is he's rolling all over the place yeah I mean I mean let's say Goldfinger for, Goldfinger for an example. I mean, I love the DB5. It's it's a beautiful car. All the modifications, everything that's done to it, is it's perfect. But I think what you're too focused on is is the car itself. Like I say, I mean, yes, it's, it's got all these cool gadgets and everything like that. But th- this little Citroen has managed to get away from, <laughs> like 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 Roger says, oh, I think yeah. we're being out or horsepowered. <laughs> but it, it's another sentimental moment about Melina as well because she, she has she comes from yeah, it's it's her little thing because Bond has the the Lotus Esprit with obviously yeah, yeah. beautiful car British money and so and then you go to Molina and you've got you, you, you've sort of got that wreck but it creates more of a value towards Molina I think that's a really good point I've never really considered that before I think Molina's she has the same kind of element of being practical with the world around her yeah. to be able to do what she needs to do. I mean, um, I mean, as basic as it may sound, as having a, a two CV, it's kind of that's that's all she has got. You're absolutely right. She's got a crossbow. She's got two CV. She'll do whatever she can to avenge whatever she needs to avenge. You yeah. know, it's like, that's that's actually really neat as well. Yeah. You don't have to be a super spy to go after the people that are, yeah. have done you wrong. I you think just, you just need to have devotion and passion and like stuff like that. Something to really motivate you towards that cause. The St. George Beach scene as well, that's really special. You hear the, the, like the roar of the beach buggies coming over and then you can see even the grains of sand like flying up in the air. It sort of, it feels more real than you it's would expect. Visceral, it? It, yeah. I think that was a bit for me. I think my biggest cinematic takeaway from watching this for a second time, the first time I saw it was with Rod, uh, Roger Moore's charity uh, event when he passed away and they showed Spider Me for Eyes Only. Yeah. But watching this only a few days ago, I think the sound design was just incredible. Yeah. It was so punchy. Everything was just so, like, just... It's, it's kind of just in your face all the time. Yeah. There is also the subtlety in there. And actually, out of all of the, the noise going on, it's actually Roger, for once, that is the subtle one. Yeah. He's, he's not the, the comedic sort of clown of, yes. that, that re- reviewers would call him. Yeah. You know? he's, actually, he's actually playing a role. 
being deadly serious about it and also playing his age. Yeah. Roger is the subtlety yeah. and everything else around him is the bombast and that, that's wonderful. Yeah. I think that's great. Definitely. So if your eyes only always gets my thumbs up. Yeah, always. Um, Location-wise, music-wise, Roger's playing of it. I'm just so glad that you've got to sit in the cinema. Yeah, I know. Thank, thank, thank you for taking me. It was a really good experience. It's a pleasure. Take me to any film I want to see next time. Uh, maybe. And maybe. maybe. Okay. I've got money. Never mind. Yeah. Cheers. A lightning thrust by ten armoured divisions from the north and by five more through Czechoslovakia lead to total victory in five days against any possible defense scenario. This is absolute madness. We know where it will end. NATO will counterattack with nuclear weapons. Never! The West is decadent and divided. It has no stomach to risk our atomic reprisals. Throughout Europe, Daily demonstrations demand unilateral nuclear disarmament. I see no reason to risk war to satisfy your personal paranoia and thirst for conquest. We must turn our energies to pressing domestic problems. General Gogo, let me remind Comrades, you. Sit down. I wish to Both tell you. Of you. Hello, this is Noel here from Dublin. Over the weekend, I saw Octopus. One of my favourite Roger Moore Bond movies, probably because, and this is a bit of a backhanded compliment, most of the cast are there, thereabouts, the same age. There's a kind of a certain ensemble feel to it. Watching it the other night, I did feel that it's a film that probably appealed more to an older audience. I, I often wonder what, what kids thought of it, and yet then uh, I kind of remember, well, I saw it when I was a kid. One of the things I've been really interested with the past six weeks of Roger Moore movies is seeing his performances and how different they are. And yet, Noctopussy, he's, he's probably him at his most playful. A bit cheeky, schoolboy. And that scene in particular with himself and Magda when they're in bed and she says something along the lines of, I'm looking for a refill. The reaction on Roger Moore's face to that, I mean, I let out this extremely audible guffaw, which is not a term I've ever used before. John Barry's music is very kind of muted in places, but the one track that I absolutely love is the scene where Bond is outside of the, the palace, Orloff lands in the helicopter, and just that whole piece of music from start to finish, I just think is just absolutely beautiful. It's the plot thickening it's amazing when you watch a Bond movie for years on TV and it's only when you see it in the big screen you notice things you've never noticed before like I never really paid a huge amount of attention to the whole bit with the atomic bomb and getting swapped out and then I kind of thought have they two carriages that are the exact same with two cannons in it and I'd need to see it again and then you have the standoff between Roger Moore and Stephen Burkhoff He's disturbed by the young Russian soldier who Bond just shoots him right in the head. Quite a, a shocking moment. The whole sequence about him trying to get to the airbase uh, is a great protracted piece of cinema and unusually so for a Bond movie actually I, I would dare say but it probably contains one of the most unrealistic moments in a Bond movie and I, I'm fully aware about Moonraker and it's the scene where Bond is about to make a phone call to, to ring the airbase and this lady cuts in front of him to make the call and he just 
stands there and waits. I'm not sure Daniel Craig would have reacted the same way, oddly enough. And it culminates in Bond in a clown suit trying to convince this American general that a bomb is about to go off and, and, and says that's 90 seconds from now and it's just oh it's just a great bit of cinema and, and John Barry's music coming in and the, the reaction of the crowd as well. The sound of the gunshot and the crowd screaming. And again, there's Roger Moore. As the audience, we know that if Roger Moore is serious about this, if he's not cracking jokes this is serious so you know humor can be a really great friend to, to drama and it can really highlight dramatic moments when it's not actually there and it's a very unusual moment in a bond movie that we see bond saving people in the moment usually the public are off camera and how much it means to them it's not just about stopping the villains it's actually about preserving human life as well I always feel that Octopussy was probably the perfect last Roger Moore Bond movie. In particular his relationship with Octopussy. They have really good chemistry, they're equals. I kind of feel that she's sort of the one for him. He's galloping on horseback trying to catch up with the plane and this isn't him trying to catch the plane just to stop Kamal Khan. I'd really like to think he's, he's trying to catch up with the plane to save the woman he loves. And I just love that bit where he's on horseback and he just gives that roar of a come on. It's just great, Roger Moore. It's I always cheer along with him when he when he does that. And what a great way for him to have ended his tenure as Bond. Okay, it's not no, no time to die, but maybe it's it's plenty of time to live. So that's Octopus. On Saturday, we had the pleasure of going to the View Cinema at the Rockberry um, to watch Octopussy on the big screen. This has been a favourite of mine and my brother's since uh, we were growing up. We used to watch it all the time. So to finally see this on at the cinema is just was just a real dream come true. The numbers are sadly seem to be declining week on week. Some of the regulars don't seem to be there. There's one or two that I've seen before that, that were there. So only a handful of people there. Intriguingly, the final people to take their seats were two young girls, perhaps aged about 12, 13, 14, something like that, complete with nachos and loads of snacks, which was a bit strange because I wouldn't, we didn't really have them down as the sorts of people that would be coming to watch Octopussy. Anyway, the amazing pre-title sequence started, they were still there, and who wouldn't stay for that because it's just such an absolutely, one of the, the, the best pre-title sequences as far as I'm concerned, and, and on the big screen it, it was just magnificent to watch, and the Aquastar jet and everything, it was just just brilliant. So those two girls were there for that, and then the, um, the title sequence and song came, and they, they were there for that. And then just after the title sequence, the next scene, which is something I, if you've heard me on the podcast, um, I'll have bored people about this before, but I really love the scene after the title sequence to be to do with the villain and the villain's scheme. So in this instance, it's obviously sort of to do with that. It's the chase through the woods of 009, dressed as a clown by the twins. So these two girls were still still going, still watching the, the, the film by this point. But I notice as soon as um, 009 bumps into the second twin, revealing that they are twins that was it they they realized they were in the wrong film and they they got up and left which wasn't a surprise I, I assume they'd gone to see thor love rock and roll and thunder or whatever it's called it was just it was just an absolute treat to watch this wonderful film at the cinema it's one that's that's rightly lauded for for having that balance of comedy um, of which there is a lot and serious stuff of which there is 
plenty as well and you know quite a complex plot still not sure I've got everything that, that happens and, and know exactly what happens but it's just it's just brilliant from start to finish it's so enjoyable Roger on cracking form his hair longer than ever particularly noticeable when he um, when he has a loving cup with uh, with Magda and he, he goes in for a snog his hair at the back is really sticking up and showing how long it is but I just love him in this film so much he knows exactly what he's doing and, and what's required the setting of India is wonderful it's so it just feels uh, again so alive and real before we go to East Berlin which is obviously a bit more sort of generic in terms of it being a, a city in the 80s but the setting of the circus is is magnificent and what a brilliant juxtaposition to have that that tense incredibly tense situation where an atomic bomb might be going off after the magnificent train scene within a circus bond having to deal with that dressed as a clown it's just it's just magnificent and you know i just i just have such a fondness for this film and for this series it just it just makes me so happy watching it for more i would i would recommend you listen to the really 007 review it's not one that i was part of but it was the first ever one and it's a cracking listen if you've got enough time something that was pointed out is just the amount of animals that are in this film it really is ridiculous i think even i was surprised by it you know you forget that there's like a bear in it and you know all manner of other of other animals so anyway what an enjoyable film absolutely loved it yeah just a real treat bj we have company no problem this is a company car Octopus isn't one of Craig Haywood's favourite Bond films, but he loved watching it on the big screen anyway. Stepping back into Octopus, it was like going back in time into 1983. It's a thoroughly enjoyable Bond. It's got its flaws, it's got some really cheesy lines, but it's still enjoyable. It's not one of Roger's best. In fact, it's always one that ranks low in my uh, rankings, but it's still thoroughly enjoyable. The scenery, locations are superb. I just wish that Roger had bowed out before he took this one on. But it's there, it's huge fun, and it's great to have Bond back on big screen. Well, thank God for hard currency. This is Trevor Baxendale, fresh out of seeing Octopussy on the big screen. No Bond film quite encapsulates the Roger Moore era as succinctly as Octopussy. It's a riot of Cold War espionage, outrageous stunts and laugh-out-loud gags. It's the most tonally inconsistent film of them all, until maybe die another day. And yet it works. It works because Moore is the glue that holds it all together. He's responsible for much of the wildly fluctuating tone, from ridiculous sight gags ranging from gorilla costumes and Tarzan yells, astonishingly not connected, to the smouldering, simmering romance of Maud Adams, from witty one-liners on the back of a rocket-powered tuk-tuk to grimly heartfelt face-offs against Stephen Burkoff. From the filler-up crowd-pleaser in the cockpit of a miniature jet to a solemn farewell to VJ Armitage. Octopussy has it all. A view to a kill may be Moore's lap of honour, but Octopussy is surely his testimonial. What did you have, Mario Palanti? 
match. Excuse me. Thank you. You'd better stick this back yourself. Hello, it's Patch again. So, where to start with Octopussy? Well, I suppose I should mention that one of my earliest memories of seeing Roger Moore as Bond is of him on top of the train towards the end. Quite fitting, since it's one of many immensely memorable set pieces that the film is stuffed with. As I've said before, this is my second favourite of Moore's tenure, partly because, like with Moonraker, I found it one of the easiest to watch at any time. Although it does have its fair share of complexities in regards to the full scope of the plot, it doesn't require anyone to get particularly invested in any character drama, which worked for a good weekend viewing like the cinema showing I attended on the 10th. Whereas For Your Eyes Only didn't connect with me quite as much as a lot of the other Roger films, this one has the trump card of a largely more memorable cast of characters, not simply in terms of allies like the cheerfully fun VJ, but also the main villains. Two, in fact. Both Louis Jourdain and Stephen Burkhoff managed to give distinctive but fun performances as Kamal Khan and General Orlov, respectively, and are very quotable indeed. One thing that I realised after this viewing is just how much more screen time Christina Weyborn as Magda gets compared to Maud Adams' Octopussy. Though her name is in the title, and she's supposed to be the main Bond girl, we don't actually see her until we're about halfway into the film. I suppose that has its advantages. You know, it's very intriguing how the film builds up to her eventual reveal in a rather Blofeld-esque style. You know, her feeding the fish and the octopus. Now, it harkens back to From Russia With Love, after all. Still, from the strength of their chemistry alone, I wouldn't hesitate to agree that Adams is Roger's finest leading lady. Plus, the way in which Fleming's short stories have been implemented into her background with her father, Major Dexter Smythe, I found that quite neat. It's not particularly intrusive in the story overall, and it gives the character a reasonable justification to treat Bond as friendly as she does. Whilst I did enjoy Bill Conti's score for the previous film, John Barry's return to composing duties here is much welcome, and whilst I wouldn't say this is his best score, it's still got a good selection of fantastic tracks especially ones for suspenseful moments. Like, for example, uh, the cue for the knife-throwing twins, the excellent chase bomb theme, and uh, Bond at the Monsoon Palace. As for the cinematography, I do think it's a step up from Fear Eyes Only. I'm not entirely sure why. I've just always felt the colour of the image in the previous film just didn't look quite as rich or vibrant as some of the previous films. Maybe that has something to do with the film stock they were using, but anyway, I'm happy to say that Alan Hume does a remarkable job in this film, and his work is very well served on the big screen. 
Seems in India sparkle and glisten in a way that makes them look magical. The octopusy circus with its massive array of colours stands out very well too. But even when the film transitions into grittier environments like the forest through which 009 is chased, the cinematography, you know, it really fits the more tense mood of the scene. Personally, this is my favourite of John Glenn's five films, and I would also argue it's one of his best directorial efforts. The first new thing I notice that comes to mind is in the scene of Bond on Octopus's floating palace just after VJ is killed. When Bond is looking out of the window, you can just see the assassin with the yo-yo sword walking across the balcony in the background, which sets up the coming fight, of course. It's great attention to detail like that which might only become apparent on the big screen. We're coming to the end of Roger's tenure, and it doesn't feel like it's even been that long. I've been having so much fun with each of his films again, even if I haven't been able to make it to all of the cinema showings. Nevertheless, it's been great to see his portrayal evolving. Octopussy has another one of his strongest performances in my mind, and whilst Roger has clearly aged somewhat, he still gets a fair amount of physical moments in fights and other minor bits of action, so I rarely find his age that distracting. It's very clear to me that Roger was extremely comfortable with the tone of this film, which was perhaps refreshing after For Your Eyes Only made him go more out of his comfort zone. Though, whilst he's having a blast, not all of For Your Eyes Only's influence is gone, which I'd say is to Octopus's benefits. The darker moments like his avenging of 009 and shooting the Russian soldier straight in the head prove that behind his charming exterior, Roger's bombs could get pretty ruthless. You know, I've probably smiled more when watching this film at the cinema than any of the other Bonds previously. I think it's a testament to the sheer fun nature of the overall adventure. When the car goes on the rails and Barry's rendition for this film of the late Monty Norman's James Bond theme kicks in, I was thrilled. Or even when I saw Bond sliding down the banister machine gunning some of Kamal's men. Octopussy is just a brilliantly engaging escapist film. One of my all-time favourites, and I would love one day to see another such Bond film as infinitely rewatchable as this. An all-time high indeed. Why don't we make it interesting, Major? A double to 100,000 rupees. I can't accept. Not with your luck. You win. Well, I would have taken that double myself. Then uh, why don't you take over the Major's position? Uh, Mr. Bond. James Bond. Thank you, I'd be delighted. 100,000 rupees, then. Double six. It was not such a good double to accept after all, was it? can only win with a double six. The stake is 200,000 rupees. Do you have the cash? Well, I think that this should be ample security. Don't you? Play, Mr. Bond. You need a great deal of luck 
to get out of this. Oh, luck. Well, then I shall use player's privilege and use your lucky dice. It's all in the wrist. Double sixes. Fancy that. 200,000 rupees. I prefer cash. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Get it cashed for him. Yes, sir. Spend the money quickly, Mr. Bond. I intend to. Come on, Khan. So, so, just seen Octopussy at the Derby Odeon. It's Bob Foster here and... Uh, <laughs> it's Bob Foster here and Johnny... Johnny Boyardi. Johnny Boyardi. Yes, we thoroughly enjoyed it again. It's very impactful seeing these on the big screen and they hardly ever diminish at all. It really hits you between the eyes. These films do. And this one is a real cracker from the start with the uh, the Acrostar jet stunts. The titles were very good and I did notice more music again with it being so clear. Well, yeah, that was the one... The one thing that I spotted particularly is that the track when Bond and Magda are having dinner by the pool yeah. is not the track that's in the original movie. Yeah. There is an additional... So it's now... There appears to be an instrumental version of... Maybe this is just me. I'll go home and watch it now, or check yeah. that scene and realise that I've been wrong. Yeah. For the, however, I believe there's a different piece of music over that scene. I, I presumably other people can let me know whether I've dreamt this, <laughs> but I genuinely have never <clears throat> noticed it just being an instrumental version of All Time High. I believe there was another track over that. Yeah, I think you might be right. But certainly, because you're so used to seeing it on TV or on... DVD that you don't appreciate the size of the whole film, no. and because of the travelogue type of movie that it became, yeah. I mean, the Acrostar Jet was originally supposed to be Moonraker, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. That was the whole yeah. plan. But it works really well. India looks fabulous. 
Yeah, the, 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 the train scenes. sequence, does the, the whole train of the train scene. sequence. Just amazing, yeah. absolutely amazing. And compare, of course, again, from a from a, an action point of view, but in the circus, when uh, the elephant is standing up on its back legs and then drops down oh. onto the thing and fires her up, and she's on a wire, yeah. because obviously they do that in circus. Yeah. But I take that to a different extreme on the train sequence, and nobody... On that train sequence is wired at all. No, They're all no. up there, handholds, absolutely extraordinary stuff. Uh, Paul Weston is working his balls off in yeah. all over the place. Yeah. He's he's doubling Roger, he's he's in India doing something, he's dub dubbing this, he's doing it's fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Um, so yeah, very, very good that um, I must say the audience not a titter no, no. out of anybody no not at all um, even the uh, extreme close up on the uh, young lady's ample uh, bosom Bosoms. nothing no not not, no. not a murmur from a millennial anywhere <laughs> no, not, uh, and not even of complaint no nothing no. but you know you can't uh, you can't win them all and yet again john barry's music hits you it, it it is so perfect for these bomb films yeah that that particular track when uh, Orloff turns up in the helicopter at the monsoon yeah, palace. That's, a, that's my favourite track. It's an like excellent that. track. It's a really yeah. menacing, menacing sound with the with the snare drum march. Yeah, it's a fabulous, absolutely fabulous tune. No, I, I thought that was terrific. I really enjoyed it, and it was good to see it on the big it screen. It was, again. yes. Whether we we'll ever see it again on the big screen, I don't know. Well, Same it. with all of them, really. That's it. I don't know whether they'll ever do them. Again, but um, uh, yes, we're nearly t- nearly at the end of Rogers. Nearly the, oh dear! And then it'll be dear Pierce. Oh no, dear, no, it won't. Dear it'll, be, it'll be dear Tim. Dear Tim. Dear Tim after after dear Rog. Yeah. Uh, it's a great. I think it's a great show. Then they're not doing. Never seen ever and uh, and Casino Rail sixty seven just to bookend the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Know? But it would be great to see that as well. Yeah, However, it would have been interesting to see how many turn, actually turned up for the yes, would, six yeah. or seven casino. Yeah, but no. So back then for a view to a kill. View to a kill. Yeah. Is that the two of us? Yeah. That's the two of us, and then uh, we may well be back with a full team come nineteen eighty seven. Yeah, I think I think I'm seeing a license to kill on my own, and then it'll be oh no, then living daylights for all of us. <laughs> yes, yes. Confused. You are getting confused. Bless. It's he's been a Bond COVID. fan for it's a very the, long it's time. The COVID. It's, it's still the COVID. it's still in my system. It's still prevalent in his system. <laughs> right. So until next time, we'll bid you a fond adieu. Yes. Bye. Are we going somewhere? I have to go to Europe tomorrow on a business trip. Oh, that's a pity. I I was just beginning to enjoy myself. I think you should stay. I'll only be gone a week. When I come back, we'll discuss the future. Well, I can't guarantee that I'll be here when you return. Oh, James. We're two of a kind. There are vast rewards for a man of your talents willing to take risks. I'm not for hire. Oh, a man of principle, with a price on his head. Naturally, you do it for queen and country. I have no country, I have no price on my head. I don't have to apologize to you, a paid assassin, for what I am.
of a kind. Hello, this is Gary Kay. Just been to see Octopussy at the Odeon in Bath and had a fantastic time. Definitely one of my favourite cinema screenings of these old Bond films of this year. Not a bad attendance too, probably around about 30 people, um, which isn't bad for a summer evening on a Tuesday. And just goes to show how popular Roger Moore still is as James Bond. One thing I want to say up front is how impressed I was with Robert Brown as M in this film. Bernard Lee was superb. He was, for me, the quintessential M. But Robert Brown did a very impressive job of filling such large boots in this film. So many wonderful subtleties here and there. I particularly like the moment when Bond has just been challenged by M as to why he took the Fabergé egg at the auction and um, replaced it with the fake. Just left the office and um, having just um, been very, very abrupt with Bond, just see a smile cross creep across M's face, which is just a lovely little moment, um, which just uh, signposts to the audience that M really has confidence in Bond to do the job. And there's little moments like that that you could so easily um, miss when you're watching it at home on a television screen. But um, when projected onto a large cinema screen, my goodness, they're so much more apparent. On the subject of performances, I have to say that I thought that Roger Moore was just outstanding in Octopussy. Unlike Fury Eyes Only, where it did at times feel like they were really reining in the amount of humour that Roger was able to work with in the film. In Octopussy, like The Spy Who Loved Me before it, I really thought that they got the balance absolutely spot on right with this film. Uh, there were many tense moments, there were some superb action sequences in the film. And um, there are also um, pep uh, peppered throughout the film some wonderful humorous moments as well, which, um, like the great Hitchcock films like North by Northwest, just really add to the momentum of the film and just mean that when you get to a particularly tense, dramatic moment in a film, it's that much more impactful because of the contrast. One thing I was particularly looking forward to of these screenings was the pre-title sequence for Octopussy, which is amongst one of my absolute favourites in the James Bond series of films. And I have to say, it really did not disappoint. The stunt work was absolutely magnificent with the Acrostar jet, the sequence with the jet going through the hangar, even having seen how they did it um, on the making of Octopussy on the uh, Blu-ray and DVD extras. The way that that sequence is edited together, even when you're seeing it on a large cinema screen, you still can't see that the plane is on a pole um, above a car. It's just meticulously put together that sequence with Derek Medding's team's impeccable model work realising the explosion of the aircraft hangar just looks magnificent on the big screen and thinking of the way in which um, the uh, film looked on the big screen it was a superb transfer overall the colours were absolutely vibrant, beautifully showing off the Indian locations. It was great as well to have John Barry back and his score sounded fantastic through the cinema sound system. Never intrusive, just help him build the momentum of the film. Always like the title song by Rita Coolidge. Uh, it just seems to work for the film and love John Barry's orchestrations of it as well that are played throughout the film. The accompanying title sequence 
visuals by Morris Binder for the film, I thought that the aesthetic of them, um, the swirling, smoky laser effect that's in the background of many of the shots in the title sequence, reminded me very much of the aesthetic of the time travel vortex in the film Final Countdown, which he worked on in the early 80s as a visual effects consultant. Louis Jordan's Kamal Khan, I think, is one of the best of the villains in the Roger Moore era of the series. Louis Jordan has such a very good on-screen presence and charisma, and the character that he plays is just such a slimy, unlikable character that it makes his comeuppance at the end of the film that much more enjoyable. Kabir Bedi as Gabinda is a superb henchman in the film. Very, very um, strong character. Very good sidekick for Kamal Khan. Just love the moment as well at the backgammon table where he crushes the loaded dice in the way that Odd Job did with the golf ball in Goldfinger. That was just a nice little moment they threw in there. Vijay Amitraj does a decent job as well, I think, as playing an ally of Bond in the film who unfortunately comes to a very sticky end. And the sequence in which Rogers Bond discovers the body of Vijay is just so beautifully played by Roger in the film. This is why I think that, for me, his portrayal in Octopussy is up there with the likes of The Spy Loved Me and Moonraker for the very best of Roger Moore in the Bond series. Also need to mention Desmond Llewellyn as Q. He also gets a very nice moment in that particular sequence as well with the discovery of VJ's body. Lovely interaction and chemistry between him and Roger Moore on screen. It's great as well that uh, Desmond's Q gets some very, very good on screen screen sequences in the film there's the great bit in Q's laboratory which is um, one of the most fun sequences in the film and of course he helps out at the climax of the film as well when the um, hot air balloon appears Maud Adams is also fantastic in the film as Octopussy she has such a great on-screen chemistry with Roger Moore definitely one of my absolute favourites if not my absolute favourite of Roger's Bond leading ladies. The action sequences in Octopussy like Fur Eyes Only are absolutely superbly put together. Love the chase with the tuk-tuks. Chaxie's going through the marketplace beautifully realised on the screen. Just looks stunning. Also there's the incredible aerial sequences at the end of the film with Bond and Gabinda hanging on to the aircraft and even if you can tell that it's, you know, stuntmen and not the actors doing those particular moments in the film, it is incredible. It's always that much better seeing real stunt people doing real stunts rather than green screen and CGI. Script's decent as well in the film, rattles along at a great pace, the storyline, and there's some very good dialogue as well throughout the film, whether it's the dramatic moments that the actors are given or if it's the humorous moments. Very solid script. And on the subject of humorous moments, uh, the crocodile submarine that sequence in the film, Roger's deadpan look on his face. For me, he's the very best actor that plays Bond to be playing that particular part in the film. He's the only actor that's played it that could carry it off as well as he did. 
Overall, an exceptionally fun night out. One of my absolute favourite of Rogers' films. Certainly up there with Spy Love Me and Moonraker. I did actually see this film earlier this year for the very first time on the big screen at the Prince Charles Cinema in London. And I thought then it was one of the very best of the vintage Bond screenings that I'd seen this year. And certainly one of my favourite of Rogers' screenings this year. And just so pleased that we've had the opportunity to fill in our gaps of films that we've never seen on the big screen before in the Bond series and for myself I've now seen all of Roger's films on the big screen at least once in my lifetime. The very first of Roger's films that I saw on the big screen was A View to a Kill back in 1985 so I'm very much looking forward to seeing it again for the first time since then on the big screen next week. I hope everyone has a fantastic week and speak to you all soon. What happened to BJ? He was alive when I found him. Did he say anything? All he said was it was Kamal's men. No more problems. You'd better signal them to meet me in Berlin. Why? Well, I have to go to a circus in Karl Markstadt. Hello, everyone. This is David from License to Queer. I suppose when it comes to Octopussy, you could say that I'm rather a massive fan-ing. Yep, Jim Fanning, style icon. The reason why I often put a bow tie on on a Friday. Anyone who follows my social media accounts knows how obsessed I am. And I'm not alone in that, I know. For the last couple of years, quite a few of us have got dressed up with a bow tie for uh, the annual June Fanning Friday in the last week of February. So if you've not ever done that before, make sure you join in next year. Something to look forward to, something to put in the calendar. Octopussy's one of one of my favourites to watch when I'm in a certain mood. That mood is not when I'm sitting there with the husband, cho- the husband choosing to watch a Bond film. It's one of his least favourites, and considering Roger Moore's his favourite Bond, that's saying something really. For some reason, he just he just finds Octopussy boring. I don't find Octopussy boring in the slightest. And one of the things that I find most interesting about Octopussy is its use of doubles. And once you start looking at the doubles in Octopussy, it, it, I, I don't know what was going on in the filmmakers' minds, whether it was all subconscious or whether it was intentional. It's really rare for a Bond film to have sort of themes in a literary sense, but Octopussy certainly seems to have a theme of doubles. So you've got, obviously, lots of doppelgangers in the films, including in the film, including the knife-throwing twins. You've obviously got the two Fabergé eggs that keep getting swapped around in really confusing fashion. You've got the clown that Bond dresses up as at the end, identically mimicking his makeup and costume and everything else. You've got the female cult members who pass share more than passing resemblance, really, uh, Magda and Octopussy. When I watched this film as a kid, I always kind of got those characters a bit confused. They do look a bit similar to each other. You've even got double money pennies. You've got money penny and you've got Penelope Smallbone, so two secretaries for M there. And of course, you've got double 07 
himself, starting the film as a Toro too. Yeah, it's it's just a it's a it's an interesting facet to that film. And when I did my queer review of Octopussy uh, a while ago, I, I kind of tried to tried to find reasons why there were so many doubles in the film, what that might mean in a, a queer context. So if you're interested, head over to licensedqueer.com and you can have a read of that in-depth look at Octopussy from a queer perspective. I suppose from a queer point of view, the most interesting thing is Octopussy's lesbian utopia. It's not just me who thinks that. There's uh, a few other critics who have kind of pointed this out, and I gave my take on it, as I say, in the aforementioned article. I suppose the only other thing to say is that, you know, the, the Octopussy herself kind of almost steals the show, but she's got stiff competition from a, a scenery-eating character who I, I've always really loved from this film and that's uh, General Orlov I've got the Swatch watch that they did to time with General Orlov, it was the first one that I bought back in when whenever they did that villains collection a couple of decades ago, I love that character so much, he's just so histrionic and brings uh, incredible flavour and colour to every scene that he's in, I suppose a final note must go to Octopussy's robe so Octopussy famously wears a robe in the film which has a hand-painted octopus on the back and those who follow my social media know that uh, I, I, I own said robe and I'm not afraid to wear it. Philip Deathless, also known as Cinecompass on Twitter, gave us his thoughts on Octopussy at the cinema. Hi guys. So Octopussy was actually among the James Bond films I was most excited to see on the big screen. And of course, it did not disappoint me. I'm always actually surprised how divisive it is among the fans. A lot of fans love it and feel it's underrated and then others seem to hate it. I absolutely love it and I'm going to tell you why. I think it has a brilliant story. I always love a bit of Cold War in James Bond and the mix of that and the octopusy smuggling thing works perfectly if you ask me. Yes, the film does have some flaws but really only a few. Roger is a bit past his prime, okay, it shows in some of the action scenes. But then again, he is still so very cool, especially in the backgammon scene with Kamal Khan that's just legendary to me. The tiger scene and the Tarzan scream are really silly, we all know that, but come on, that's about one minute of a film that's more than two hours long, so that's surely not the thing we should judge the film by. And one more thing we have to talk about, why does Orloff destroy the real Fabergé egg in the film and not the fake one? Is that Orloff's mistake or is that a blunder in the script? He clearly destroys the real Fabergé egg because that's the one that contained the mini microphone that Q put in there. And yeah, he just destroys it. Anyways, the cast is excellent. There's a great range of characters, especially Steven Berkhoff as Orloff, who I would have loved to see even more of in the film, and Louis Jordan as Kamal Khan. The locations are fantastic, very exotic. I was lucky enough to visit some of the filming spots in India a few years ago, and it was really magical. And I think it's really magical in the film. Last but not least, I don't really have to mention it, but I will. John Barry delivers another brilliant score. Rita Coolidge's theme song is a bit lame, yeah, but I really like the melody of All Time High and I think it's it works perfectly in the instrumental score. So to sum this up, I find Octopussy very, very entertaining. In my James Bond ranking, it's definitely in the top 10 and maybe even in the top 5. Action. This is John Glenn. You're listening to Really <laughs> 007 Podcast. Leave that. Let's go. Let's stay. Sit on that box, hands on your knees. Come on, move! Why is that bomb on the train? Who are you? I'm British Secret Service. 
You should be more concerned about getting out of here alive. I am more concerned about an atomic bomb exploding on a U.S. Air Force base. You surely can't be inviting a full-scale nuclear war. What happens when the U.S. retaliates? Against whom? Our early warning system will rule out the possibility of that bomb having been launched from Russia or anywhere else. Everyone will assume, incorrectly, that it was an American bomb triggered accidentally. Oh, that would be the most plausible explanation. Europe will insist on unilateral disarmament, leaving every border undefended for you to walk across at will. And it doesn't matter a damn to you, I suppose, that thousands of innocent people will be killed in that accident of yours. Better than letting a handful of old men in Moscow bargain away our advantage in disarmament talks. On your feet, General. You're going to stop that train. It's too late. You can stop it at the border. Hello, Diamond Bissell here again keeping up the nasty habit of surviving in order to bring you my take on Octopussy. Now allow me to be self-indulgent here for a moment. Well, at least I admit that this part is. I was first properly aware of the Bond films on the 31st of May, 1983, when ITV showed an anniversary celebration of James Bond. All the famous clips were shown, including scenes from Octopussy, which was due for a release a week later. From what I remember, films in those days were released in London first, then slowly but surely they were released throughout the country. Having spent weeks watching clips of Octopussy on Saturday morning kids shows and other kids programs like Screen Test, on my 8th birthday my family finally took me to the Odeon Chester to see the film I'd been aching to see for what seemed an eternity. The day itself was an absolute washout weatherwise. Our hair was already wet due to the hairdryer blowing up I seem to remember. When we got to the cinema the foyer was absolutely packed. I believe it was the first day of release, and every corner of the cinema had life-size cardboard cutouts of Roger being wrapped around Octopussy's arms. It felt like a premiere without the fame or glamour. In the days when you had smoking or non-smoking areas, we had tickets straight down the middle, but enough not to be accused of underage passive smoking. They also showed short films as well as dodgy local adverts, and on this occasion, I seem to remember that it was a film about HMS Commando, which was quite appropriate. Then finally the main feature appeared, and I was transported into a new adult world that I so longed to be a part of. I remember my dad absolutely groaning afterwards that he'd created a monster after I couldn't stop going on and on about this film, rather like now. To show how much Octopussy had entered my psyche, and this is absolutely true, the following week I started a primary school during a game which involved maths. I was on quite a roll, and when I picked up the dice to play again, a girl whose name escapes me said that I was very good. Without missing a beat, I replied, It's all in the wrist. I'm not going to try and attempt my best Mark O'Connell impersonation in arguing why Octopussy is the best James Bond film, because it isn't. Catching Bullets, by the way, is my favourite non-fiction book about Bond. As Mark and I grew up at the same time, watching Bond, and the memories watching them on TV, and when, are some that I share. It's my favourite James Bond film, because it's the one that got me hooked. This is the film that gives me the warmest glow when being watched. How things could have been so different if Roger Moore had not played 007, I could have had a life. When watching those screen tests of another JB attempting to play the role, 
I feel quite a shiver. I would rather have Roger Moore with a Zimmer frame than watch the American heir apparent. Now Octopussy does usually feature rather low in Rotten Tomatoes, IDBMs and other pointless lists flying around, and it's the usual things that people point out as to why this is the case. The monkey suit, the Tarzan yell, the Barbara Woodhouse reference, and Bond dressed as a clown. Well I can't defend most of those elements, but there is an awful lot in this film that still stands up. But I will defend Bond as a clown. If it's good enough for 009, it's good enough for any 00. And it does act as a great bookend to the film, and as a contrast to the danger that's surrounding the unwitting crowd. I mean, come on. The best disguise when amongst a circus troupe is as a clown. At least Bond didn't wear a fake bald head cap. Then again, I'm sure Roger didn't need to put his foot down for that. The only problem I do have is that we're expected to believe that Bond took about 30 seconds into becoming a clown, complete with makeup and everything. I mean, I know secret agents are trained to dress quickly, but as a clown? This film as a whole is sort of in the middle between Moonraker and Fiora Eyes Only, and Roger's performance is the same. He's in cruise control for most of this film until the discovery of the missile, and his desperate attempts to get there before Zero is reached, during which he's in top gear. The face-off between Bond and Orloff is superb. Stephen Burkhoff is absolutely brilliant as the Maverick General, which nowadays is not so outlandish. Louis Jordan purrs as Kamal Khan. I just love how he speaks with such an oily charm. And of course, the manner he says, Octopussy, is like being tickled. Kabir Bedi is odd job with a turban, basically, with a larger vocabulary. He does have the funniest utterance of the line, Out there? The Bond women in this film, I have to admit, are a little flat. I'm not saying they're not performed very well, it's just there's no motive in their characters. Octopussy is an innocent victim in it all. The only threat of having any background drive in her relationship with Bond was rather blithely dropped when disclosing she's Major Dexter Smythe's daughter and thanking him for his honourable alternative. The only point in bringing that in was to please the Flemingites, and it was rather clumsy. If only they played on that more to make the viewer question whether she was really on Bond's side or not during the film, making her character more interesting. Magda, though, has the funniest line in the film, when required to be refilled. The Bond family, including UM Robert Brown, are all very good. But I always want to know what private joke Jim Fanning is enjoying during his opening scene. It's as if he knows something they don't. Why wasn't the character of Penelope Smallbone continued after this film, I wonder? Two's a crowd? I mean, it would have been less jarring to go from Lois Maxwell to whomever if whomever played Penelope Smallbone or Luelia Ponsonby instead of Moneypenny. Having missed the view Cheshire Oaks for the last three Bond films, it was like coming home. And with a larger screen and better sound system, the 80-year-old in me was ready to be entertained. And boy, was it ever. The audience size was about average, including a family with three kids who, towards the end of the film, were high on Harry Bows that one ended up joining in the film clapping when the circus parade entered the ring. For me, as soon as the gun barrel appeared, I was there again. The pre-titles are one of the best in the whole series, with a vocal cameo, I believe, by Miriam Margulies as Corrida. The titles themselves and the theme song of Rita Coolidge have the same feel of Moonraker, and as a result rank low amongst Bond fans, but I love it. I have noticed that for the last three or four Bond films, the mix of the score is mostly through the front speakers, and doesn't seem to envelope me as much as the early Bond film mixes. The score itself from John Barry is one of his most understated, and has no outstanding piece to choose for an ultimate Bond soundtrack playlist. 
The hunting of 009 is reminiscent of Corinne's demise in Moonraker, and the only other dark moment of this film is the death of VJ, which still sends a shiver. I do wish they played the tennis references down a bit though, as it makes it harder to accept VJ Amritrage as an actor, and he does act well. There's not much of this film I don't enjoy, and it's hard to be objective about it. There is a case that the film does sag a bit in the middle, after the backgamming sequence, which to Roger is like Sean playing golf with Goldfinger, until the death of VJ, but from the discovery of the bomb of the train, the film picks up the pace brilliantly. I think it has some of the best front projection of the series amongst stunt work which still packs a punch. The jump from the disarming of the bomb to Octopussy's army infiltrating the Monsoon Palace does make the final sequence a bit tagged on, but the plane battle deflects any lasting quibble. Three things I noticed when watching this again. One was the realisation that Peter Porteous performed in two Bond films, not just as a harassed Lenkin, but as the pipeline supervisor in the living daylight, when he was harassed in a different way. The other thing that made me laugh out loud was hearing for the first time an incidental American tourist saying after picking Bond up from his economy tour, the guy with the turban looks great. Finally, I'm still trying to determine which part of Scotland the Russian bomb expert is from, and was he from the same agency as the Russian jail officer in The Living Daylights, who I think hailed from Harrogate. I had the same warm feeling watching this last night as hearing Bernard Cribbins reading The Rombles, or Eric Thompson with The Magic Roundabout. Then were the days when everything was easy and chicken tasted like chicken. Octopussy will always be in my top tier regardless of its faults, because it was my first. And you never forget your first whether you like it or not. It did big business and importantly beat one opponent in the box office of 1983. It's hard to imagine that Never Say Never Again would be shown on the big screen after all the official films are done, but you know what they say. Of course Octopussy is the better film. Never Say Never Again is James Bond in an action film, and despite all the hurdles it had to face, it was okay. The reason why I would put it equal with Thunderball is that it's a remake. The plot is way for thin, and it isn't enough to carry a two-hour movie no matter what new elements they added to it. The villains are fantastic, most of the action sequences are average at best, except the Shrublands fight which is superb. The English are obviously buffoons compared to the Scots, and the score I imagine would make Eric Serra smile, if only they had a Brit to direct it. But back to Octopussy and what really should have been Roger's perfect farewell, soon after the British release of Never Say Never Again, Broccoli announced Roger would be back for a seventh time, making a point that he was to make one more official Bond film than Sean, another two-finger salute. But was the decision made before or after the removal of the mole? All the best, guys. Do you really think you can escape me? Orloff betrayed us. I swear I knew nothing about the bomb. We're partners, we're friends, Octopussy. I would never do anything to hurt you. You left me to be killed along with thousands of innocent people. Octopussy. Octopussy. Look, I was bringing you this. We can make millions. Oh, my word. John. John, what are your thoughts, Octopussy? Well, we're here at the Odeon Cinema at the Trafford Centre. We've just seen Octopussy on the big screen. And I must say... The transfer this time was phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Wide screen? 
Oh, I'm speechless. That that film epitomises why I love James Bond. Yeah. That has every aspect of the bits that I love about James Bond. Like, I, I'm not some absolute Fleming connoisseur, <laughs> shock horror, but th- that has every aspect. You have Roger Moore being a swine at times, and it's just so good. Um, just that yeah. smirk on his face. You have the exotic locations. You have the gorgeous score. You have the beautiful ladies. You have the unbelievable PTS. And then it just switches out to nowhere to this very intense Cold War thriller where it's a completely different Roger Moore performance in that second half. All of a sudden, he is so rumbled and you know genuinely rightly so because of what's going on you've got some of the best stunt work in the series yes the train stuff was unbelievable and then finishing with the plane and i just had to sit in silence i just had to sit in silence because that was just awe inspiring just yeah. seeing those shots and yet it then comes full circle with the ridiculous ending of yeah. oh james and you just come out and you think I've just had a two-hour film where I have gone through every single emotion. I, I just love it. And, 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 and listen, me and you, we were probably the bane of everybody else in that cinema by how oh, much yeah, we yeah. were laughing at all the bits we probably shouldn't have laughed at. But it's just so flipping enjoyable. And when, you know, like, when, when you turn on the news and everything is depression, depression, depression. To be able to sit in a screen on a Tuesday night and watch Octopussy with friends, <laughs> that there's no greater escapism. I, I'm, I'm, honestly, I just <laughs> love this film. I absolutely adore it. Just think though, if you were told last year they're just going to show Octopussy, you'll be able to see Octopussy at the cinema. I'd have just been, we'd have had a party, wouldn't we, and everything. I just don't want us to become numb to this one bond, the next one. It's just, it is crazy. And I, I'm, Sam, when was the last time we watched a bond with you? Was it, what was it, was it Diamonds? Well, we watched, we watched The Eyes Only last week. Uh, oh, we saw it, yeah, yeah. No, but at Trafford Centre it was Diamonds. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, fabulous film in and of oh. itself. Anyway, and de- you know, two links to David is Diamonds Are Forever and Jim Fannin. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, we've got that there. Who's like some facial express, expressions by some people in this film are just amazing. <laughs> his his expressions, oh. Louis, Louis Jordan. Yeah, he's just yeah. kind of like, oh my, he's just so over it, which is really funny. Um, is it Kavir Betty who plays yeah, Gabinda? Yeah. His facial expressions sometimes are hilarious, oh. sometimes they're terrifying. I think he's an incredibly attractive man. Oh yeah, now, yeah, I, yeah. He's very still nice. is. Yeah, yeah. no, he still looks great. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, you know, everything, everything about this visually looks great. I think is it Peter Lamont who did the sets? Yes. But yeah. Like, I think this he actually you know needs some props for this because he does. There's yeah. a lot of good sets. I said to you, like you know, escapist fun for sure. But I was like, Putin wishes he had a war room yeah. like that. I mean, this is a big step up from in terms of his imagination from the for your eyes only yeah. Sister. yeah quite realistic it reflects really. the film doesn't yes. it yes yeah. but then you the computer set the octopusy bed it's very but they go into the the real lives uh, you know the palaces it looks seamless you know the yeah. links doesn't it this thing, he's, well the thing is he's got you know Pete Lamont he's got more to work with within the story about and the scale yeah, of what it is sure. you've, got, you've got a monsoon palace you've got octopusy's palace you've got 
you've got that war room there's a couple of other sets in there yeah. you know even the interiors of like the train and things like that I noticed a lot yeah. more and like the room where Kamal Khan does his, his office even yeah and Octopus's room with the fish tanks and all that it's incredible yeah I think that those were all great the music is you know is just so so good I, think, I feel like there's a lot there's a lot of like silent piece times in there as well which is great yeah. but it's like you know Tom said to me it's like when he went onto the train tracks and then the Bond thing kicked in yeah. you, were, you said oh you know it's, it's Bond doing something like Bond can do um, it's yeah. great when that happens now I'm I wish because this this soundtrack isn't widely available, is it? This octopus. No, soundtrack. and it's quite short. It's only like about thirty-five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. My my vinyl's only six tracks yeah. aside or something. Yeah. It misses out like yeah. the. John John Barry's you know, latest soundtracks, I think, aside from Living Daylights, have that issue. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Actually, I think View to a Kill's pretty much complete. I think both. Oh, is that missing some as well? Oh, I don't know. View to a Kill. Yeah, it is missing quite a lot. But it's brilliant, yeah. yeah. But, um, but no, I remember Moonraker and Octopussy have quite a lot missing and they're not widely available, so it's a shame that because I think there's so many great cues here. And yeah. And, you know, it's like, I was like listening and I think, you know, it's been a while since there's been things on the big screen that I've, you know, that I've noticed more. But I think one of, one of the things, well, we'll get to it later, but... One Don't forget that. No, no. But one, but one of the things was, was just some, some tracks which had elements it felt of previous Bond... Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah, it you was said, something yeah. where it sounded very like dun 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 dun. When like Bond's climbing out of the window, yeah. you know this, and it was another thing as well that I can't remember where it was, but um, it was just things like that where it's like it's it's just it's John Barry's signature. Yeah, you know, you is that nice to connect it though? Or? Yeah, yeah, for sure because yeah. it just adds something else. But if we are going to talk about missing things, I mean, you pointed out a great thing, which was the octopuses around uh, the banister. Yeah, as the they get off the, the on, boat onto yeah, the palace. Yeah. Which is great, but also, <laughs> sorry to midge into Gwendolyn, but there was a massive camel toe going on. <laughs> well, there's all like, over this film. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> not the camel who watches the tut tut. <laughs> it, it was. It was <laughs> Goodness was, me, it was oh 3D, wasn't goodness. it? It was insane, insane. Yeah. Um, Even Midge, I think. Had, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I was looking, obviously. But. Not looking on you that couldn't help gigantic it. screen. <laughs> no, 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 no. Sheesh. Um, but no, like, connected to them, I also yeah. saw them at Octopus Circus, which I've never yeah, seen Yeah, I've never seen, seen that before. before. Um, when the bomb the, zooms in on the bomb, and the elephants are also on that, as it's going, arriving at the Feldstarts. Yeah. And you see them. Those are the two the circus. Stood with the yeah, bot. yeah. And you know, and you see. I can't I, believe it. I think it, it must be Carol Ashby. She must be the one who's everywhere. She's in the. That She's was the big like takeaway. Starvin's the one who's the main one. Yes, yes. She, oh yeah. right, yeah, like. She, she was yeah. the one who took the camera, a bit like Marguerite in Doctor No. Yeah. Of the, you know, the two. And she's everywhere. She's there she from the beginning yeah. to end, and I didn't realise that. Quite she's the one who gives the knives to twin one and twin two yes oh. and then she obviously returns in a view to a kill yeah yeah, yeah exactly from so, a view to a kill from oh. a view to a kill <laughs> yeah. but no uh, just it's so good I mean animals and women I mean there's, there's about a hundred of each aren't there it's true I, I, I was about to say I could do that either but no I, no, the, 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 the women in this are excellent they're brilliant Maud, aren't they Maud Adams is so good I mean, oh, I, I've always cool. said I prefer her as Andrea Anders, well the two but, great characters but I mean there's really not much in it I mean I just think Octopus just gets a lot more screen time yeah, yeah, yeah but, um, I love the shots on her face of you know like the when she thinks yeah. she's dead in the water and there's, there's real there's emotion of, there they, they really capture her facial expression yeah, in that yeah. moment when she realises that Kamal Khan has crossed her when, yeah, yeah. when they're meeting each other and she's holding him up like there's things there which is excellent and you know Magda 
also great. I mean, Marjorie's that, class. Out, oh. that, the, that, my <laughs> one of my favorite parts of the film is just her going out the off the balcony. Like, yeah, just, yeah. It's just it looks so effortless, but it's like you said, you know, it's across two continents. You know, yeah. Most romantic scene in movie history. <laughs> or sexiest scene in movie what, history. What, the, uh, the, the... Yeah, it's just incredible. Well, I mean, with, like, with John Barry's... The, yeah. oh. I mean, we have to say, I mean, we alluded to the amount of laughter, but the laughter uh, across, the, across the screen when um, Magda <laughs> says that she could use with a fill-in, refill-in. Oh, yeah, just, yeah. It's just... Roger's timing is yeah. perfect, though, isn't His it? His eyes, then. It's like, he, he does what the audience would do yeah, before yeah, he says yeah. the line. It's perfect. It's so good. It's t- it is, what, two hours and ten minutes? And again, like, for your eyes only, it's bam, 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 bam. There's nothing that on there that you take out. There's only stuff you'd maybe add, isn't there? But it's got to be that realistic sort of time. Of a, of a, and the action, for me, to, to come and see that on the big screen today, the... I mean, I always, I always think, hang on, is that a bit of a flat ending when the, well, it's brilliant, but the, the bomb. Yeah. Oh no, sorry, no, 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 it's not the ending. There's no, like, an, uh, there's yeah. like an extra bonus, massive action scenes. The horse bit's so underrated. You know, can you imagine how, how do you do that? Get a guy on a horse jumping onto a plane. <laughs> that shot of him when it takes yeah. off. And then all the stuff on the plane, I couldn't believe. It's so under, it never gets talked about that. Because well, obviously the yeah. Moonraker takes more, because that was the first, wasn't it? But this those, is just those aer- aerial stunt work. Yeah. I think is some of my favourite. You know, Moonraker's pre-titled. So yeah, they're just brilliant. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you have that, this, and then the Living Daylight. Yeah, they're they just kind of make up like <laughs> some like the best aerial stunt work. They are. Uh, no. There's only like there's them. one man who joins them all together. There is, yeah. <laughs> no, it is. Yeah, yeah. Bj Worth. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> John Glenn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, he, people say yes, he's an action director. Or he's He's, he's brilliant at action. <laughs> he's brilliant at comedy, I think. Comedy timing. And, and he that... lets actors act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we keep saying that, don't we? Well, he let Stephen Burke off act, didn't he? <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, we might have talked about him. Jeez, I mean, we've spoken to about some, some actors during the scenery, but he absolutely devours everything that he's in. Oh, yeah. And I think if anyone would say anything, you'd rather have someone who's overacting than underacting. Oh, in a Bond film. Like this, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that scene so much of them on the train. You're going to stop that train, you know. Yeah. And he gets so angry, Bond. You, re- you do really. And the and the, the scene with Octopussy when she's like, "You're a bit of a hypocrite. You're an assassin." But he's like, "I'm not for sale." We always say that's so good because he, Bond would never ever let down his country. You know, he'd never go rogue. He'd never turn to her for the money. He's totally committed to that. He'd kill us all. Go out. And get him out there. Well, yes, it is.
I'll say this again, I said this in the review, but I think it's really underrated how we buy into Bond and Octopus's relationship. Yeah. When actually, they have not that exactly. much screen time yeah. together. It's the acting, isn't it? It's the acting it all the way. They have, the, they have about five minutes screen time when they're at the palace. Yeah. And then they don't see each other until the bomb again. Yeah. And, and that's only breathe. And that's breathe. And then it's saving, saving us, pussy. And, and, and ultimately, he gets on that plane to just save Octopus. He does, yeah, you're right. Isn't yeah. he? There's no need for There's him. There's no yeah. need. He, he's yeah, just, yeah. And, and you buy it 100%. And I think props to both Maud Adams yeah. and Roger with that because it works so well. Do you think he is, sorry, Maud is in this, his, Roger's main Bond girl out of the. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think so. And I think, you know, sometimes you just have natural chemistry. Sometimes yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it can be there, but sometimes it's not fully the way there. But this is just so easy to watch. And, yeah, you know, yeah. It's, you, know, you kind of wish I think if we talk about adding things I kind of wish they'd had more together. yes yeah yeah um, you know Maud Adams doesn't really get a start in it until about halfway through so yeah which is probably good because at least you get a little bit more time with Amanda before then but I think once Octopus really comes into it Amanda oh, yeah. takes a back seat really because yeah. you kind of need to invest in this new character who you, you're not too sure on what yeah. their intentions are so um, many characters being introduced so you know first of all you see the stuff in Berlin then Kamal Khan, right, is he the main baddie? Yes, he's the baddie. And then all of, oh, heck. <laughs> and then, oh, no, the scene where Kamal Khan is subservient to Octopussy. So then that's, you're meant to think, oh, she's the big baddie. Yeah. And she's done deliberately shot, a bit like Blofeld. It must be done deliberately, you know, without the face. Yeah. And then, of course, no, she, there's more to her than that. So there's so many, there's loads of interesting it's characters. Good that, I mean, even if it's like a short-lived mystery, it's still something that... Yeah, yeah, it's just interesting. Just, just for yeah. maybe 20 minutes. Yeah, just, yeah, absolutely, you know, yeah, yeah. You don't want to give the game away. No, it's not the world's not enough. I mean, nothing's like as amazing as that reveal, is it? <laughs> but, but people who like, you know, say, oh, these films now, they're just a bit following the formula and all this. No, they're following a winning formula and adding cracking little nuances to each of the films from it and yeah, this is another yeah. example of it and it keeps you interested you don't have to start like completely twisting things right no. left and centre and mixing it up this works perfectly and there's enough new stuff in this to keep this fresh oh, yeah. as well the stuff with Q and the gadgets and the silly the crocodile and DJ's home oh gosh it's so awful isn't it the, the run of harrowing allies getting killed is well and truly we've, underway. We've got another heartbreaker next week. Oh, goodness me. <laughs> and oh, the week oh. after. Awful. <laughs> and the week after. Yeah. And <laughs> most people die in last night's kill. Yeah. It's like you said, I mean, I feel like at this point in time, you know, all the films are so different from each other, even though there's this kind of like running trend of, mm. you know, I think most of the crew is very much consistent. Yeah, in yeah. Era, oh, it is, yeah. In yeah. this era now. Um, and so, despite, you know, I think Fiora is, if we say like Fiora is only Octopussy and A View to a Kill, it's kind of like a, as a trilogy. Yeah. John yeah. Glenn and then John Glenn's Timothy Dalton films, you know. The, the three of them are, are vastly different. That same tone, yeah, yeah. I feel uh, throughout. Yeah. But I mean, so very different in what they do. And, you know, it's not just, you know, because of locations and characters, there's just so much else in there. Which means I'm now so excited to be to kill. It's, it's, it's dawning on me. It's dawning on me. Heart palpitations. They're my, they're my two favourite Rogers, certainly. And I'm not, I mean, I just love them all. I mean, I've loved them all even more. Mm. Octopus is one that I, I couldn't love anymore, so it's not like I can 
raise it another bar. But it, I think, yeah. There were things I noticed there, you know, that I hadn't really known. I still don't understand the story, so I can still keep watching it to try and work out. <laughs> I, I know it more now than I ever did. Oh, good, right, okay. It's still a bit kind of like head turning for yeah. a while. As far as I get it, here we go. Come on, come on, come on. As far as I get it, is is that they're part of a smuggling. There's part of a smuggling team, and the operation is is that what Octopussy thinks is she's swapping the Russian jewels for fake jewels, and they're going to make hundreds of millions of pounds with it. Right. And the idea is that she's probably thinking that Orloff is going to use that for arms or for himself yeah. or whatever like that. But Orloff actually takes the jewels back and swaps it for a nuclear bomb. So how, but how, obviously Octopus, doesn't know that. How much of that does Kamal Khan know? All I think he knows it. all of he it. He knows the whole but thing. But he, he's not interested in the, that outcome. He just wants the money. He's just, I just think he's, I just think he's yeah. more just a case of he wants the money. Yeah. They're, they're we using, can make they're using millions. Octopus's resources to, yeah, yeah. to do it. And that's, she's the front for it. She, yeah, she's yeah. like the Mr. Osato. The circus. In, in this, but she, yeah, she yeah. thinks she knows one thing, but it's it's truly bigger than that. But then I am unsure because you know uh, Mishka and Grishka know clearly know because they know the bombs. In yeah, them. yeah. And well, it starts with them chasing 009. Yeah, so I don't know how much of Octopus's actual operation, which then you know puts into question, does Magda know? But clearly she doesn't because you'll put the entire operation. Why she wouldn't have stayed there either? Yeah, she wouldn't have stayed at the base yeah. if, if she'd known. So, so the so 009 went to Berlin because they must have had a lead to do with that circus. Something fishy going on. Some, I don't... Yeah. But, it, but as far as we know, it could genuinely have just been uh, the smuggling. In fact, it probably would have been just like, you know, the lead with some of the smuggling thing. Yeah, yeah, because the they don't... Yeah. Not all stuff yeah. double O agents do is life or death necessarily, is it? Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't... Well, I mean, they've got a licence to kill for a reason. Yeah. So, I mean, I, but I don't... But again, I don't know what to... And I think that's probably the most confusing thing is what what's the setup for... Double nine. I guess we don't yeah. really need to know, no. but but I guess what was he actually onto, and then did he find mm. the Fabergé egg accidentally, or was it, you know, he that was what he was going for? I don't know. So good. That's. I mean, it yeah. really is fantastic, isn't it? It's it's <laughs> to open up straight yeah. after a, an absolutely bombastic pre yeah, and sort of sequence. almost joking, and just come back to something like that. <laughs> Just, it's only John Glenn could do that. Yeah, like go yeah. from the sublime to the ridiculous. You know, like, yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's crazy, isn't it? You know, I, it's, it's tonally all over the place, and yet it's perfect. Yeah, it does. It's not. It's not clashy at all. I think that's what some audiences might struggle with today because films are usually either deadly serious, no humour. Or like a Marvel film where it's just like a bit they, of a joke. They don't know how to react. <laughs> like, am I? You know, we go. Yeah. We go from that ridiculousness to something so serious. Yeah. You know, and like, like VJ's death just in the middle of it's all really that. Really like, eerie. Yeah. So I mean, you kind of, which is kind of reminiscent of early Roger Moore films, but I feel like yeah. it's more. It's by this point, I feel like it's getting phased out. Like the eeriness of things, mm. it's become more. Yeah. You know, straightforward. What, what style it is at what point? But yeah, I mean, I think as a whole package, it it does the job. So it's, where does it lie in your placing, Sam, or...? I feel like... I can't remember the list. It's, it's like maybe like 15th, 16th, 17th, but I can't remember exactly where, but... Um, that's you not, still love it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, it's really my bottom two that I'm not massive fans. It's like you, isn't it, John? But even then, I will still watch those films, but I may not yeah, enjoy yeah, them yeah. as much as the rest, you know. 
So this is this for me is the most. I don't know. I, it it is it's those four still for me that this one's the start of them up to License to Kill that cannot be bettered for me. But I, I love I love all the other ones. Don't worry. It's difficult, isn't it? But I'm so used to watching this. I know every single sound effect and every single <laughs> yeah. look of everyone and. It just works so well. It's it's the eight. It's my eighth favorite. It it has it, gone above Skyfall and Goldfinger. It's definitely my eight. It's my eighth favorite. And yet, even though it's my eighth favorite, I would if you give me a Saturday night, <laughs> yeah, I would watch this over Majesty's Secret Service. Oh yeah, and I, and yeah, I yeah. Adore that film because it's a different I'd type watch of film. This yeah. over Casino Royale, you know, yeah. and and it's be, and their films that are higher in my rankings. But it, because yeah. actually, this is one of the, or if not the most enjoyable of course it is well, I think a lot I think most yeah. uh, most of us would have like we have our you know, top number one but yeah. there's a, like a go to one that you'll watch maybe yeah. that's like your comfort one like oh, yeah, mine's yeah. At, but at this stage is Diamonds Are Forever yeah, it's yeah. the easy one that I can put on but I know for yourself it probably you know would be Octopus scene I don't know is this a view to a kill the, yeah those yeah, yeah definitely those yeah. I mean Goldeneye of the, of the newer ones <laughs> that's probably one where you can just yeah, watch actually, it all the time yeah, yeah. Goldeneye's awesome. Yeah. Gosh. Although I think you have to invest in Goldeneye. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think it's slightly slow at first. Like, it, I, listen, a lot of it's I Natalia's it. story as well. I absolutely like love it. It's, I'm a massive fan of it. But I think that this, I can be in any mood. And oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> How difficult is it to do all those tones? I, I know you could say, well, it's, it's just obviously not directed well. But that is not... That's not what's going on here. Well, John Glenn said it was the one he was most proud of to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he said that. Mainly because he loves all the animals. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that reason, yeah. But, I mean, Bomb was in a, in a particular you know, type of way at this at this stage. Yeah. It wasn't like you could really actively shift, and I think at least not with you know the actor you know, that you have. I yes, think yeah. Once, you know, he's so settled at this point that you can't really change it that much without throwing the audience off and I think yeah, if you're doing true. something like that I feel like you either need a more gradual shift or you need a break yeah. and, you know, and we've seen that happen so you know and you know the more films were never broken for me anyway but I mean no no you know you don't fix that and uh, it's a mix it is a mix of bit of the massive change from Moonraker to Fiori's Only you get a bit of both in that now for these I last two I think you do I, I think that this is like the mixture of all the previous ones come together. Yeah. I think that this has got... Greatest a bit of a, It is a bit of a greatest hit yeah, in yeah. a lot of ways. Roger just feels so comfortable. It's his, probably my favourite Roger performance yeah, of all of them. I, think. I mean, I, I, again, I love him in everything. <laughs> just, I just love the guy. You're just rooting for him and the audience is with him every step of the way. There's very few actors who... They walk on screen and I have a big smile. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it is. But, but, but one of the other ones I have is Matthew McConaughey. And oh, I, and brilliant, I, brilliant. And I, if I see them on screen, and I think it's hey cheesiness. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's like the smile comes on because there's a presence about them that I just warm to yeah. straight away. And Ghost of Girlfriend's Past. <laughs> Underrated. Get it seen, yeah. yeah. I actually remembered, I did forget, I did forget this, but... Octopussy was actually, I think, the first Bond DVD that I watched because I think oh, yeah. I think yeah. my, my uncle had it on DVD and it was before I watched the rest of the films, before I got all those VHS yeah. tapes. And so I think I I was I think it was when Daniel Craig had been announced or just before it, or something. It was in Yeah, it was like mid two thousand. It was like two thousand and five, I think yeah, yeah. when I first saw it. And I saw the DVD and I think it was the one where like I feel like Magda was the one used for the promotion. Mm. 
Yeah. And I borrowed that, and that was, you know, the aside from View to a Kill, which I've just seen on, on I was about to say CITV, on ITV, <laughs> um, it was the first 80s Bond film that I was seeing uh, right, okay. you know, on, you know, on either video or DVD. So I remember at the time watching it and being like, this is, this feels different. Like, this is Roger, and, I'm, and I feel like it was yeah. it was a Roger film, because he was, you know, the one that I knew the most, but it still felt weird, because yeah. it was just, he was older than Spy Love Me, and it was, felt <laughs> different, and it was, oh, everything just was different about it, because, I mean, John Barry wasn't in Spy Love Me, and was, yeah, yeah, yeah. John Glenn, although he works in Spy Love Me, he's not director, so all these different vibes, but I know I enjoyed it, and... It feels yeah. more classic, like, the Spy Love Me is so 70s. That's not good or bad. Yeah. The, I think these ones, the 80s one. Well, yeah. Okay, Fury's okay. only, maybe not Fury's only. But I feel like A View to a Kill's the eight. I mean, to be honest, yeah, that's, yeah. that's the 80s. That's the film of the but I think it's the score, though, that makes it more timeless. It doesn't, yes. You know what I mean? The score yeah. is timeless. Yeah, of course. I mean, Grace Jones is the most 80s person ever. Grace and Jones, Duran Duran. Duran Duran, yeah. Um, Beach Boys cover. Uh, oh, that's next week, guys. Yeah. for Chips. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a world surplus of microchips and Zorin <laughs> is holding them. <laughs> Oh, I love, well, we love Defence. Oh, and uh, Robert Brown, last with Need oh, to yeah. yeah. He, he's great, isn't he? He's, he I know, love him, uh, I, Bobby Brown. He fits in seamlessly. Yeah. And he doesn't, you know, even in his shouting, he doesn't carry the authority that, say, Bernard Lee does. But that's that's fine. He does his role well. Yeah. And Roger's responses to that, to me, react perfectly to the level that Brown shows because, like, you know, he, he doesn't get annoyed, he just says that I claimed it was a fake. And you had no business bidding for that egg, it, 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 it works perfectly for me. Yeah, I mean, I think I prefer the chemistry with Dalton, and I feel like well, I, thought, I, mean, I, thought, I thought Robert Brown's totally, even though they're best mates, weren't they, Robert Brown and yeah. Roger Moore? But that, no, I, well, I, think, I, I, think agree. That, I think that's what maybe hurts it a little bit for yeah. me because I, I feel I love yeah, the, the relationship, friends, yeah. I like, and I thought Robert Brown's properly dug in yeah. by the time yeah, yeah. he likes and likes to kill her out, so he can actually make the role his own a bit. Yeah. Um, I thought yeah. he's a few skilled as absolutely no bollocking, is it? He's basically... We're going to go fine. for the races now. Right, he's got yeah. races. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Party, don't they? I mean, if my boss said that, I'd be like, yeah, like, suit me oh. up. Well, it'll be the last of the old timers, won't it, like, next week? It'll be the end of an era with quite oh, a few Lois. of them. Lois as well, yeah. But we get Defence Minister for Living Daylight, so there you go. Oh, yeah, yeah. he loves yeah. it as well. Yeah. They're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Tell community. <laughs> Oh, right. I, I am sad that it's Roger's last. It, yeah, I know, I know. Because I miss Spy Love Me as well. I feel robbed of that. And yeah, you still I, get six. I Incredible. Miss as well. oh, <laughs> Silly boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's that seems so long ago now. I mean, I, I love that more than anything. So I'll defend I know, it. But... I know. I will defend it to my death. Thirteen. So that's it. We are back, slap bang halfway through. It feels like a lot further because. Yeah, the time gap goes on, doesn't it, as we go on, and yeah. we've seen them at the cinema recently, but we're knackered, we're going to go to bed, but we've just had two hours plus of the best entertainment that just British brilliant. cinema gives out. <laughs> right, we're time to go now. <laughs> See you later, gang. Take care. Where is Commander Bond? Well, unfortunately, owing to the serious nature of his injuries, he's still not fit enough to travel. In, out. In, out. In. I wish. What? I wish you weren't in such a weakened condition. 
to look five years younger. In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.